Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. Hello and welcome to episode 159 of Lesbians Who Write. This week's topic is what's your relationship with money? Joining me, Claire Lydon, is my co-host, the high roller who is T.B. Markinson. Hello, T.B. How are you today? Did you just choose this topic because you needed some laughs because you're going to make me discuss something that has actual numbers? Well, do you know what? I didn't, didn't even think about that. But yes, let's talk actual numbers. It's going to be great, everyone. Strap in. Oh, strap in, yeah, definitely, because um, it's going to be a ride with me trying to figure out numbers. <laughs> All right, so how am I doing? Um, We're recording this on June 14th, so I am 14 days into the Pride Collection launch, which is eight standalone novels in the iHeart Sapphic Pride Collection, and um, I'm exhausted. <laughs> We're almost halfway through the launch. We're doing a 30-day launch, obviously, because Pride is... All June, we're doing 30 Days of Pride on iHeart Sapphic, sharing photos. The authors have been sharing, the authors in the collection have been sharing like pride memories in our uh, reader Facebook group. Right now, authors are doing, um, they're, each day they're hosting, one author's hosting a, a trivia giveaway. So they ask a trivia question and everyone gets to uh, have fun guesses. You don't have to be right to win. We want more creative and for people to have fun. Sadly, by the time this comes out, um, that's over. But we've been managing a lot at iHeart Sapphic for this uh, launch. We're also coordinating with over 50 authors and bloggers and website people to help get the word out. Um, is June over yet? Is June over? By the time this comes out, TB, it'll be the 20th, and then there's only 10 days left. But don't wish June away. It's like one of my favorite months of the year. It usually is unless, like, I'm launching eight books for 30 days straight. <laughs> it's a lot. So, yeah, so I have that going on. What else is going on? Oh, uh, Miranda McLeod and I have started our next co-write. We've been discussing the storyline, you know, working on the character backstory and doing some plotting and figuring out, you know, like, what's the hole in each person that we have to make complete? What's the hole in their heart and the hole in their life? that we need to fill and have that H-E-A at the end. So right now, uh, we're putting, we're starting to get words on the page today. So it's all shiny, it's all new, it's all fresh, it's exciting. In eight weeks, I'm gonna be like, I never wanna hear these characters again. <laughs> so, But right now we're in the giddy stage where I'm like, oh, it's a new project, yay, it's so exciting. And then I'm gonna be like, oh, this is a slog. I probably should start tracking if it is like if there is like a certain day in the project where it just turns sour. That would maybe a fun project. Like you're all, at least I am when I start a new story. I'm always very excited. I'm, I can't wait to see how the story shapes up, and I can't wait to get to, into the characters' heads and get to know them. I wonder at what day is it? Like day sixty-eight, where I'm like, I hate you. Yeah, it would be curious. I'd be curious to know that. Maybe we should, we should actually both commit to doing this. Because, you know, there is there is always a point where you just get uh, bored of uh, reading the same characters because uh, you wrote them. Um, uh, but you know it's always going to be lovely for your readers, well, hopefully, because uh, they've never met them before. But by the time you've uh, been over that scene five, six times, it's always a little bit... Uh, what is it? Taxing. Trying. Are the words beginning with T? 
I'm out. <laughs> this isn't good for my new exciting project. I'm already out of words. <laughs> but can I just say, when you were talking about that and you, your your head was swaying and you were smiling and I could see like hearts and birds and flowers floating around your head, TV. So it was a proper cartoon moment. Yeah, I am genuinely excited to start each new project. And I am curious to know when I hit that um, burnout stage, that might be something to track so we can like figure out a little bit is to combat it mm. like is that when you need to take like a three-day way on a, a, a trip to like clear your head of it or something like that that would be interesting to know yeah but then that's going to involve tracking which is going to involve numbers yes <laughs> that's where i usually fall down out of my face maybe maybe the listeners can help us keep track of like oh tv's whining it's day 68 i guess i should say 69 for fun so that that's going on so we're still launching the Pride Collection, and Miranda and I have started our next co-write, which we're both excited about. In good news, since it is June, and it is your, like one of your favorite months, we've been having a very, very pleasant June, aside from all the pollen. We've had a, a, a decent string of good weather. So in the past week, so the past seven days, I've been on three hikes. Guess how many snakes I've seen. Oh, gosh, I don't want to know now, that. Now, wait, before you, before you guess, last summer... The entire summer, I saw a total of one snake. Okay. But last summer was super soggy, mm-hmm. which, you know, kept the snakes off the trails. They weren't, like, sunning themselves on the trails. This summer, we're having a lot more sun. So how many snakes have I seen in seven days on well, three hikes? Well, do you know what? I didn't realize that sun and snakes go together because I live in Britain, so we don't generally have very many snakes. But uh, I would say uh, I'm going to go four only three i've seen one snake each time and snakes are reptiles so they're cold-blooded and so when it's nice out they like to sun themselves to warm up wow thank you for the nature information tv appreciate it at least that's my if i remember correctly from like sixth grade science that's the reason i could be totally wrong i don't know if there are any um snake experts who can correct me Mm. i think there's a special word for that and i don't remember it (laughs) Snake spurt. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, so um, I've been uh, enjoying the sun, stumbling into more snakes, and trying to relax as much as I can, even though I'm doing 30 days of pride launch, which is a lot. It's a lot of launching. It's a lot of launching. Yeah. How about you? You've what, gone. You've gone full how, on launch. How are things going over there? Well, I should just I say. Know. I should just say uh, that I have got uh, still the builders uh, one side of me. So if you can hear a little bit of banging and clattering in the background, I can. But um, we have to do this uh, podcast when we can, and this is when we can. So uh, I hope you'll excuse any clattering and banging. Um, It's not me. It's the people putting the bathroom in next door. It better be bloody nice because they've been banging forever. Anyway, what have I been doing? I have been trying to launch a book, TB. But as we know, in these frothy days of Amazon, launching a book is never, it's never, it's never a straightforward road, is it, from A to B? I remember the times when it was. You know, there was a time, there was quite a lot of time when, uh, you know, you just used to press some buttons and, you know, something might go wrong a little bit, but normally it was your fault. But generally these days, it's out of your control uh, what, what goes right and what goes wrong. So, yes. By the time this comes out on the 20th, I'm hoping that all the issues will have been smoothed out. And if you're listening to this, you'll never, you'd never have known unless you listen to this podcast. However, right now, <laughs> it's been a few days of 
panic and uh, stress on this end. Um, firstly, because Amazon didn't give me a rank for two days, um, but they eventually did, so that's nice of them. And then uh, because they can't quite, they've taken eight days to launch the paperback and then they got all the prices wrong and yada, yada, yada. So it's been a lot and they haven't linked the books. So the good news is, let's look on the positive side, glass half full, the uh, ebook is out. And um, so that's good. And that's the right price. The bad news is the paperback is not is just about out now. Came out yesterday, uh, and I think the prices have just been changed correctly today. But they still haven't linked them. But it took eight days, which is just stress you don't need, isn't it? We're still trying to get one of the paperback versions up for the Pride collection that Amazon is um, being rather difficult on. So um, I don't know what it is about the paper. I mean, there's always. I've always experienced more issues with linking the paperbacks and getting the paperbacks up. The ebook used to be more seamless than it has been since I think I think all of the trouble started, at least that I noticed was back in October. But um, yeah, there there it's um, you really need to start scheduling in those three to four days of what the fuck miss. Yes, and you know before I... you start hitting that launch button. Yes, and I did have, uh, you know, I thought I had that in the bag, right? Because my launch was going to be uh, the 14th and, I, and I, I put up the paperback on the 7th. So I thought, that's plenty of time, everyone. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Um, so, yeah, so there's that. But I'm sure it'll all uh, come out in the wash. But, um, yeah, the ebook is up. So if you're after a, a, a sun-drenched UK vineyard romance, it started with a kiss. Ebook, at least, is uh, out there. The paperback is, but you'll have to search to find it. Um, in other news, uh, I've also been having a battle with Audible to try and get the uh, correct uh, categories put on Change of Heart Audio. Um, it's an ongoing battle, so let's see uh, how that goes. So I've, I've been doing I've been doing battle this week, um, but in positive news, TB, really exciting news this week for my one of my translations. So my my Brazilian translation of Before You So I Do, Antes Que Voce Diga Sim. Yes, yes, yes. Um, there was a massive uh, book fair in Brazil this week and they put on their they did a big promotional campaign for their socials and they chose three couples one straight one gay one lesbian uh, for the to promote romance in their socials for this book fair and they chose Ron and Hermione from Harry Potter as the straight couple they chose Nick and Charlie from Heartstopper as the gay couple and they chose Abby and Jordan from the Brazilian version of Before You Say I Do for their lesbian couple which was pretty cool so I didn't really understand what it was I just saw the three pictures but then my Brazilian publisher was very excited so you know that's pretty cool promotional wise yes. I don't know the, the, the what was the name of the game the gay book Heartstopper. Have you heard that? Heard of that one? It's um, it's been made into a Netflix uh, series. There's four books in the Heartstopper series. It's by a, an author called Alice Osborne. No, I haven't heard of that one. But um, I recently signed up for Netflix to um, knock out some shows that I've been meaning to watch, hmm. like The Crown. Right. So maybe I should check it out. Yeah, I did. I did try it, but it's a little bit too YA for me. I decided, so I I didn't get further than the first episode. But loads of people are loving it. It's just not quite my bag. Um, in other exciting promotional news, uh, Change of Heart made the top 25 Pride list in Glamour magazine, which was the US Glamour magazine, which is really cool, and which was lovely to see alongside, you know, the usual One Last Stop, Honey Girl, Danny Brown, but also some other lesbian indie authors like Karelia Stets Waters and Katia Rose. So that was good that it wasn't just uh, the normal, you know, lineup of uh, books from mainstream publishers. 
what else have I been doing? I've been reading through my Christmas book in the sun, so it really is almost Christmas in July. It's Christmas in June, so um, I have read it through. Um, it's not a pile of shit, so that's good, isn't it? Um, the bones are good, so I need to get this one to my editor by the end of June. So, uh, so the race is on. I've got uh, three weeks to do it. Um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty um, confident I'm going to do it because I only need to write about another three chapters. I left the last three chapters to write, and then I just need to um, do a bit of editing and pruning and all that polishing. But um, I'm hoping it's all going to go right. What what can possibly go wrong? Wait, when did you say you have to? When did you say you have to get it off to the editor? By the end of June. That's two weeks, right? Not three weeks? Well, two weeks, yeah, sorry. Two weeks when this comes out. Yeah. 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 I was like, uh-oh, I think she's... I hope you didn't plan that extra week because um, you might be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, the editor deadline is actually mid-July, but because I'm going away now, uh, I have to get it. I have to get yeah. it done prior to. And the other thing I just thought I'd mention is uh, the Platinum Jubilee happened since we last uh, since we last mm -hmm. recorded, and that was a jolly good time in the UK. Uh, we had two days of bank holidays. We had say four days straight off. It was like it was Christmas or Easter, you know, like because we had four days off for those. It was great fun. We had a we. I met some of my neighbours. They had a street party. I went to a birthday party. I went to brunch. And did you did you watch any of it? Did you see the Queen and Paddington Bear? I did, yes, I did. So I, cute. I've always wondered why she carries her purse everywhere she goes. It's like it was one of the things I really noticed in the crown. Like every time she got up from a chair, she would grab her purse, and I was like, "Why? What is in her purse that she can never like not carry it?" Apparently, a sandwich. Yep, marmalade sandwich, which I can relate to. Yeah. I like to have emergency food as well. <laughs> Do you know what? Um, when I'm it's one of my sort of guilty pleasures because we don't often have bread in the house actually because my wife's not a bread eater and if I had the bread I'd just eat it all so I try not to have it in the house but toast and marmalade you can't have a better breakfast than that it's just the best I'm not a fan of marmalade oh. I thought I would try it when I was there and I was just like this is like the worst thing so um <laughs> I, I did not take to the marmalade or marmite uh, yeah, maybe ma it's a spread that starts with an M where I'm like nope out. Yeah. What about jam? A jam fan? Strawberry. I like strawberry jam. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. See, we're filling you in on, on all our likes and dislikes on lesbians who write. Right, so that's that's about that's about me caught up. Um any comments, comment monitor? We have three comments this week. Okay. Um first up we have a comment from Isabel Sterling, who is a queer YA author and also the host of the author burnout coach podcast oh. and Is Isabel says I found your podcast recently and as a queer author it's so fun to find a podcast devoted to sapphic fiction I'm so glad to add it to my podcast rotation so thank you so much for finding us and for listening mm. um, we have a comment from we had a comment from wind or windy it might be windy on twitter who recommended our podcast episode the one where you broke down Ingram sparked to Luke Dreamer, who was asking if anyone had been able to wrangle Ingram Spark. And so I thought it was nice of Wendy to recommend that particular. So I appreciate people spreading the love. And speaking of spreading the love, um, Chloe on Twitter also gave um, our podcast a shout out when someone asked for podcasts that were geared towards LGBTQA. So. We have we have our uh, fans helping us 
Isn't that nice? That is lovely. Thank you very much. We do appreciate all of that. And we appreciate uh, people recommending um, the podcast. And I hope it was a help, uh, Luke Dreamer. Because understanding Ingram Spark, it takes a little while. I haven't danced with that devil yet. <laughs> so I'm not sure. But from what I've heard, <laughs> it is a difficult tango to nail. Let's just say I've had a little uh, I've had a little dalliance with them this week as well because uh, a button they should have on their web on their dashboard they just don't anyway it's very boring and involves lots of emails back and forth uh, yeah the 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 less the less sexy parts of running your own business right there's there's so many unsexy parts of having a writer business where I'm just like oh the things like. I spend like two hours a day like just chasing things that I'm like, I never thought my life would revolve around this part, but it does. It does, it does. But just remember TV, remember the joy, remember the joy of the new project with the birds tweeting around your head. <laughs> I know, it's like, you know, like, it's like how beautiful it is like after a spring rain, like everything's shiny and new and it smells great and you're just like, I love life. <laughs> Day sixty nine. We'll see. We'll, we'll Day sixty nine in the in the in the in the Suffolk fiction house. Right. Uh, any any uh, coffee coffee news? No coffee news. Really no. 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 No coffee update this week. Sorry. So what are we going to do? No one's bought us coffee. I'm oh, I'm dying of thirst here, everyone. Dying of thirst. Uh, if you'd like to buy us coffee, do head over to the website and uh, uh, and purchase one. It all goes towards uh, helping us upkeep the website. We very much appreciate it. Right, so that's it. Comments, uh, no comments from me. So let's crash on to the topic at hand, which is what's your relationship with money? Now, I've written down quite a long diatribe about this, so um, I don't know how you want to do it. <laughs> I don't know if I have a long diatribe, but I would like to um, just open it up with the fact that you've asked me many times, you proposed this topic many times that we should discuss this. And I think every time I pretty much gave you the middle finger. Um, I think that sums up, I do not have a good relationship with money. And I was very hesitant to talk about this, but here we are. <laughs> here we are. I finally um, decided to sit down and talk about money. <laughs> One of my least favorite topics. So why don't we dig into your diatribe while we know where I stand? <laughs> All right. Well, I, I guess I guess I just came at this um, from a very personal standpoint, uh, you know, um, which is always the best place to start, I think, especially on a podcast. So overall, I think I think my relationship with money is pretty good. Um, but, you know, I might be fooling myself. I don't know. That that was my initial standpoint. So I, I, I think it all comes from your background. Right. So I grew up in a in a lower middle class family, I'd say. My parents were from very working class families. Money was always tight. They were very poor when they were young. But I grew up, by their standards, quite affluent. I never had to worry about money. I always worked as well um, from the age of 11 with a paper round to my first Saturday job at 14. I was doing video sales door to door by the time I was 17. You know, I worked all through. Yeah, yeah, you're looking puzzled. Video sales? Like you were like selling like VHS tapes door to door or something? Well, there's, you remember back in the day before <laughs> before streaming services um, and you had to go to the Blockbuster or whatever, the local video store to get a, to get a, a VHS cassette. Well, there's two guys I know around the area that I lived in at the time. They had a load of like a mobile video library in the back of their truck 
and they or the back of their big estate car and they would drive around so my job was to go knock on doors and get people to sign up for this service so I was doing early streaming services <laughs> and then they would come around one night a week and <laughs> and and they could, you could go out and look in the back of their car and their, or their, their estate car and then pick a video the Maybe I've watched one too many episodes of Law and Order, but this sounds like a money laundering drug thing. <laughs> they also paid me in cash. It was and brilliant. Maybe some like human trafficking. <laughs> <laughs> I got one pound per lead, so it was a very lucrative. You know, if you think I'm 17, I was getting paid like 10 pound an hour. Amazing. That's 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 amazing for you know it, now. And so the people you directed to this man, did you ever see them after that, or were they just gone? That wasn't that wasn't my problem. <laughs> anyway, what okay. I'm saying is that I, I've always known that if you work, uh, if you work hard, you can get some money. So I have a very strong work ethic because I always wanted, from a very young age, to be self-sufficient when it came to money, and I always have been. Then when I, after I went to university, um, I never worked in super high paid jobs. I worked in sort of mediums paid jobs because I worked in the media, in magazines, online. But I did okay. I always had enough money. I always saved. I bought my own flat in London before my wife and I bought this house. I've never budgeted in my life though, which is weird, right? But if I needed money, I worked out a way how to get it. I always freelance throughout my, when I had a full-time job, I was always freelancing. And when I wrote my first novel, I still had that full-time job and that became my ticket out. So I think probably my outlook on money comes from a little bit um, of me being a very sort of dri driven person and wanting to be self-sufficient, but also from my family. And I think it inevitably does uh, do that. My dad, he had to work three jobs for a lot of his life because he had eight children um, to support. But all my family have always worked. So I knew if I was if I found something I was good at and excelled at, I could make money. That was always my my thing. And that was, first it was academia, then it was editing magazines, then it was running editorial teams, and now it's running my own business. So with writing full-time, I never dreamed I could make a full-time living at it, but it's, but it's the best paid job I've ever had. But it's also the one I've held down the longest and stuck at in one place the longest. And there's a correlation there, isn't there? So keep going, as we always say. And now I think my relationship with money has changed slightly in that there is an income coming in because we've got a backlist as we've said before so now I'm looking at how can I make the most of my books with by selling other rights translations or subsidiary rights to make the best possible use of the of what I've got but your relationship with money changes but I think that the for me the core of it has never changed um, just what how I make it has changed okay so I'm gonna dive into a bit of my backstory on money like you it was uh, shaped my relationship with money was shaped with my childhood. And I grew up with greedy relatives, greedy exes, greedy friends. <laughs> so my relationship with money is definitely influenced by people who have put money first over everything else. And that does definitely sour your relationship with money. Mm -hmm. um, also, uh, as anyone who has just been a casual listener to our show, um, knows I'm not good with numbers and that includes dates I especially fail when it comes to future dates so before the era of auto pay I was usually late with bills not because I mean like you I've always had jobs I always worked several jobs at one time I worked hard I hustled to make sure I had money in my checking account but getting that money from my checking account to my um to the bill people on time was a challenge before auto pay and I don't I, I mess up dates. I mess up 
anything with numbers all the fucking time. And so before autopay, it was a nightmare for me. Now I'm just like, now I just have like reminders on my phone to make sure like did, did my health insurance payment go through? Did my student loan go through? Stuff like that. But I don't have to um, go in and actual schedule it myself each time I can do the autopay. So that's a big relief. So that's improved. And then um, I have cut out all the greedies. <laughs> the greedies are gone. So that has helped improve um, my relationship with money. Because, um, yeah, when you have people who... I know, like, it was always an issue in our family. Like, the money, like, how it was spent and everything like that. And it really impacted me to the point where I just don't like talking about money. <laughs> I just don't. I know I also run two businesses. I run my author business, and I run I Heart Sapphic, and there's absolutely no way of avoiding money. So I, I'm trying to be more grown-up about it, but, um, so that's that's my backstory on money. Probably more details than you were expecting. Um, no, I wasn't sure what you were going to say, but yeah, I mean, I guess the reason that I, that I propose this topic is because money is seen as a, especially being British, money is more seen as a dirty word. I think being a, in America, maybe maybe slightly different. Sort of being being money ambitious is is, is it more acceptable? Would you say? Yes. Well, it depends. I mean, it depends. Um, yeah, there are people who are very money ambitious, but there's also been quite a swing here towards like having a better work life balance. Like, I think things are kind of like. I think things are kind of switching a bit where people are trying to figure out better priorities and aside from working yourself to death, which we do in the U.S. because, like, we don't take holidays as much and stuff like that. But I think there's been a definite swing as of late. So, but also, it's hard for me to know now because I did live outside the U.S. for so long. Hmm. And you kind of internalize the different parts of the culture as well and the places. So I lived in London and Dublin where you weren't supposed to be obsessed with success and money so i don't know if i'm the right american to ask maybe yeah. maybe our uh, listeners can yes. chime in especially and i think it's also regional in the u.s because the u.s is quite large mm. so like if you're living in new york city absolutely it's all about like the hustle but um is it different in the smaller towns and stuff like that so it would be yes. curious True. we should do a poll yes let us know and even if you're if you're not in america if you're in wherever you are let us know what it is uh, where you are i suppose I, I i broached this topic because i think that money is a well it's a it's a massive topic for everyone whatever job you're in but particularly if you're in a creative business because it's like a lot of people don't want to marry up their art with business but i think is if you if you want to make a living out of it obviously it's essential to marry up your art with business so we both create art with our books but we both run a successful business and you can't have what are you laughing at sorry <laughs> i keep i keep hearing marrying art and i'm like i don't want to marry art <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying to make a serious point here, and TV's just like g giggling on the other end of the uh, microphone. I'm like, what is she giggling about? <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing you like standing up in front of all your friends and family and marrying like a book. I'm sorry. Or <laughs> it might be in a silly mood. <laughs> I'm I'm picturing you marrying Art Garfunkel, but that's the only art I know. So, <laughs> ooh, ooh, not sure about that. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the obvious choice, but think of the lovely songs. Anyway, 
just just I wanted to broach it because you know um, quite often people are like well you can't make money uh, if you're an, if you're a, a what are we <laughs> like what a novelist you can't make money if you're a writer not true we can we are supporting ourselves with our with our art uh, <laughs> we're not marrying it we're just supporting ourselves um, so I just want but it, I think it does all stem from your background but your money mindset you can change your money mindset and you can become uh, more focused not necessarily to make more money but if you become more focused on the process and the business then the money will hopefully follow but there's no surefire formula but you know if you do want to make a living out of this um, you have to think about your relationship with money and if there's issues you have to iron them out now I never considered myself driven or ambitious um, I guess it's not what we're taught as girls as well um, when you're growing up um, certainly not what you're taught if you're British but since running my own publishing business and many people pointing out to me that I am actually both driven and ambitious I am embracing both of those tags but with that comes your relationship with money as I said am I am I driven by it and I would say yes and no I like the thought of having I like the thought of having it right <laughs> you know as I said when I was growing up we didn't have loads and loads of money but we weren't we weren't destitute but Obviously, having it in society, having it in this life, makes things easier. Let's all, let's be honest. Uh, I'm always aware of the privileged position I'm in, um, with the job I've got, earning money from it. But also, I know I worked hard to get where I am, and I never gave up. But I don't think I'm primarily money driven. Um, for instance, if I say I make a certain amount in a month, maybe more than I've ever made before, that is a metric I could measure my success against. And yes, it's lovely to to hit those metrics. Like I've never set a money goal, but what does it make me feel? It makes me feel happy for a while, but it's kind of it's kind of a flat sort of happy. I don't know if I'm describing it right. It's fleeting. But if I have a great day of writing or a big breakthrough in a story, that feeling is more nourishing for me. But I guess you have to weigh it with money. Is a bit like a. I was thinking money is a bit like awards, right? Society values both awards and money. And judges you by those standards you know people always say uh, has have your books won any awards and, and they want to note that down um, if you if you tell them you're a writer oh you know how much money do you make people always ask you that have you won any awards so if you're making lots of money and, and you've won awards obviously it's lovely and I am in business so I need to make money but I just think that you focus on the process if you're money driven you can easily be let down that's what I think if you focus on the art and the process, the money should hopefully follow. Sometimes in big chunks, sometimes in small chunks, but the longer you stay around, the more opportunities come your way, the more money they bring, which is great. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I think if people are thinking that, um, well, you're just after the money with your writing career, um, we wouldn't be publishing lesbian fiction because it's a much smaller pie. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. So, I mean, we still obviously <laughs> care enough about our story. Yeah, we, we care enough about our craft and our, the stories we want to tell, and we're telling the stories we want to tell. And we're just doing it with a business head on, but also with appreciation, respect for the importance of visibility and uh, representation. So, yeah, there are people who like, and there are some people who just think that since we're artists or the artistic tech, we shouldn't make a living, which I have never understood. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I know there's like some kind of like um, idealistic, like you know, like Van Gogh, like didn't make money until he died. I'm like, well, that's really not. That's not the standard we should still be chasing to be be a true artist. 
I really don't want to starve to death. So yeah, so there it, again, it goes back to the whole money issue. And everyone has a different relationship with money, and everyone has a different idea of what success means. So it's just all subjective, and it's very hard. Do you think that your relationship with money has changed um, since you've been running your own business? Do you think, be be that by just accident, or do you think uh, you focused on it and thought, maybe I need to change this? Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, With the two businesses I run, um, money is part of my daily life. Like, for instance, I just signed a new uh, contract for a website designer for iHeartSafic, so money's exchanging hands and we're figuring out how much it's going to cost. When you hire an editor, there's money involved. Um, When you hire a narrator, there's money. Like, every part of this business, every stage is a cost. And so I am constantly aware of the cost. Like, is my time better spent doing this or is my time better spent doing that? Like, it's, it's hard to divorce it from my everyday life now. And I don't know if, like, like when I used to have an office job, yeah, it was great to get a paycheck. But I didn't have to think about it as much. Yeah. But now, now I know, like, I have to know my, especially since I am an independent writer, like, um, I have to know my taxes. I have to pay quarterly taxes. So I have to know what's coming in each month, what's going out. I have to know, like, my income and my expenses. I'm constantly dealing with taxes. So it's a lot. I'm always drowning in money details, it seems like. Yes, and I think when you when you run your own business, uh, which you will do if you if you uh, publish a book, because as soon as you do that, you are running your own publishing business, whether you know it or not. Um, but as soon as you do that, you have to think about the money side. And conversely, I think as I've said before on this podcast, I actually quite like doing the whole spreadsheet thing. I'm not very good at you know, I'm not very advanced, but I like filling them all in and seeing all the numbers add up. It's um, something I never thought I'd like, but I do. But like you, the things I spend, um, you know. Your relationship with money is, I think, is based on if you have some, and that's all based on your past decisions. Uh, did you save? Did you invest wisely? Did you spend? Did you spend? Did what you spend? Sorry, bring you joy or make a difference? So the things I spend on business-wise, a bit like you just said, are essential stuff like software, tools, services, like editing, covers, audiobook narrators. Now I can afford it. In my real life, the things I spend the most money on is meals and drinks and traveling. Um, I like to be comfortable when I travel. I'm not a tent lesbian. <laughs> Wait, do you spend more on travel than you spend on um, your actual home? Oh, I suppose. I suppose. Uh, obviously, I obviously I have a mortgage, but I suppose. Okay. I was like, Wait, is your is your travel more expensive than your mortgage? No, I'm thinking. I'm. I wasn't thinking of uh, essential spending. I was thinking more oh. of. Uh, <laughs> I was like, Holy shit! Yeah. Where is she going? <laughs> I'm just always traveling in really fancy hotels, haven't you noticed? Um, Yeah, I I suppose um, in real life, obviously, I have to spend essential things like my mortgage and my food and my heating and all that sort of thing. But the other thing, the things, the extraneous um, ones that I could cut out, but I I like to do them are meals, drinks and traveling. Um, But in my real life, you know, I'm also a product of my environment. So um, I came from a background where, you know, we, we did have to um, scrimp and save a little bit. I still love a bargain. Uh, if you ever see me in a supermarket, I will probably be uh, hovering around the reduced stickers because um, I still I still love a bargain. It gives me a frisson. What, what word did you say? A frisson. 
It's a French word, isn't it? Is that like a tickle? Yeah. Is that like a tickle? An mm-hmm. excitement? Yeah. All right, so you're, you're still trying to master the French, I see. Yes. <laughs> <Aren't you? laughs> How do you think I'm doing? Oh, for me, excellent. Yeah. But I have no ear for it. <laughs> Did you want to hear a funny thing about me, about my past with um, numbers? Yes, I do. I don't know if I've ever shared this uh, with you before, but um, back in high school, so like, you know, when the dinosaurs were roaming the earth, you may not know this, but I took a couple of accounting classes, and I really liked accounting. <laughs> now this is not a story I expected you to say. <laughs> Did you know in the seventh grade I was advanced a grade in math? My goodness, what happened? I am really good at certain types of math. I'm really good at like um, like basic algebra. Um, I was really good at, at, at accounting for a bit until they started introducing the things like where I had to figure out like the depreciation of stuff where it got a little more complicated or when they introduced geometry where it got a little more complicated and my brain just stopped. But I, some math I really, really enjoy. Hmm. And um, I was skipped a grade, which I think ended up hurting me because um, I was a shy kid and so I was put into a grade with older kids. And also they um, skipped me past like some of the introductory parts. <laughs> Because math is you kind of build on things, and I missed a lot of the building steps, so I think that was part of the reason I struggled. And then there's there's certain types of math my brain doesn't get, but there's I do like some math, and I love to see um, the columns, like when you're talking about your spreadsheets, I love to do that and everything like that. So mm. Mm. I'm not complete failure when it comes to numbers. It's just when it becomes complicated <laughs> or when you have to do creative math. <laughs> when you have to do pivot tables. Pivot tables? Yeah. I never did a pivot table. I wonder if that's something different. Oh, what is that? I wonder if we just have a different term for it. I don't, well, I don't actually know what it is. It's, it's uh, obviously my wife knows because she's a chartered accountant, but uh, she, you, you, Oh, you... I only did high school accounting. I didn't do like college, so I'm sure like there was, but yeah, <laughs> no, I didn't get that far because after a while I was like, when it got hard, I was like, mm, I don't know if this is really what I want to do with my life. And so I decided to study history instead. <laughs> I went from accounting to history. Yes. It's an obvious, an obvious step. Actually, I think I think a lot of people do do history here, don't they? Like, if if you go to Oxford or Cambridge, you do do sort of uh, accounting, financial things, and then politics and history or something like that. Yeah, so that's that's a little curveball for you. Yeah, you didn't I wasn't, know that about me. I was not expecting TB the money nerd. No, I wasn't. I would say that you know, uh, overall, I have a pretty okay relationship with money, but I'm probably. When I was really, really sort of thinking about this, I'm probably still a little bit scared of it. Like, you know, for instance, investing in the future. I don't do that so much because I don't understand. I say I don't understand it, but it's only because I haven't I haven't informed myself on it. And it's one of my goals for this year, which I'm very aware I need to do. So, um, you know, probably I still hold some limiting beliefs uh, about money um, that I could probably work on. Um, But I am British. I'm a woman. So I don't, I'm not doing too bad with those two <laughs> limiting things in my corner. Uh, I am earning it um, and I'm earning enough that I can live the life I want, which is, and I'm doing a job I want to do and I'm mixing art and business. So I'm, I'm, I'm making the money to live my best life, TB, so I can't complain. I think being American also has uh, tainted my view of money because um, we don't have 
nationalize healthcare. So um, a lot of us who, especially, a lot of us have to pay a lot to have the healthcare. And so there's that other fear with money of, oh God, what happens if I have a medical emergency? How is that gonna wipe me out? Um, so we have a, a little more fear of mm. that here because um, a lot of the reason for bankruptcy in this uh, country is medical expenses, um, stuff like that. So there's always, so that's always the th- thing on my mind, like, oh gosh, if I get sick or if I get in an accident, how do I keep supporting myself? So, but, and um, it's lovely, lovely that the U.S. has such a fucked up healthcare system, health insurance problem where you have to be employed. And the amount I pay each month is just really sickening. Just sickening. Yes. <laughs> I could see how that might take your relationship with money. Definitely. But um, let us know um, what you think about um, your relationship with money. And if you are a, um, a new writer or a, or a writer just, uh, you know, a few books in, has that changed your relationship with money? And are you going to make money goals? I mean, have you ever made a money goal, TB? Yeah. I, I, like, I know, I know what I absolutely have to make each year to support myself. And then I know what I have to make to tuck some money away. But um, I have, like, you know, what is it? ceiling floor and ceiling goals yeah like I, I definitely know what i need to bring in each month just to pay all my bills obviously right now i i meant really do you ever make money goals like stretch goals like this year i'm gonna make a quarter of a million dollars for instance <laughs> oh god that would be nice wouldn't it <laughs> um, i i i tend to have an idea what it what on average i make no, I don't set like a goal like what this is how much I want to bring in that during the calendar year for our well our tax season is the calendar year stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's more of like I need to make this much to eat. Yeah, <laughs> and, and to pay that health insurance and to buy cat food. Yes, my cat will kill me if yes. she doesn't have food. We don't want that. Gray's already got like devil eyes for you, so um, yeah, we don't want, we don't want more of that, do we? No. Interesting. Yes, we, we you don't make stretch money goals. I don't make stretch money goals. Maybe we need to. Maybe we need to challenge ourselves. I don't know. Anyway, do let us know what you think. Get in touch on the website www.lesbianswhowrite.com. Email us lesbianswhowrite at gmail.com. Facebook us, Twitter us at lesbianswhowrite, and Instagram me at clairefic. And uh, we do have a little announcement as well. Um, I know we went to um, other every other week uh, episodes, but we have got both got time off coming up in July. I am heading off away on holiday. TB is heading off to the Golden Crown Literary Society Conference. Um, So if you're going there, she'll see you there. Uh, But we are away, both of us, for two weeks and we can't make the next date work. So the next day of recording is not going to be till um, about four weeks time. So sorry about that, but we're going to have to skip one. But we hope you understand because we're not here. No, I'll be melting in New Mexico. Because that's where everyone wants to go in the middle of July, New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> and I will be uh, sunning myself in Portugal. Is it going to be hot? I assume so. Portugal in July. Don't know. Yeah. And then I'm coming back and we're going to go and watch some ladies playing football. Because it's the Women's Euros, uh, Women's European Football Championship in the UK this year. So we're off. We're going to see uh, England versus someone in a group game. And then we're going to the final and we're hoping to get other tickets too. Is the final at Wembley? Yes. Do you know Wembley? The Wembley Arch is the, I think, the largest freestanding arch in Europe. 
I did not know that. How do you know that? I'm a bit of a nerd. (laughs) Are you an arch? TB's revealing so much about herself today. She's a she's a wannabe accountant and an arch nerd. Anything else? I think everyone knows about my fondness for Disney shirts. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I'm not actually wearing a Disney shirt today, but I literally had to look because I do not remember what I was wearing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Do join us uh, next time and uh, keep writing. Stay safe. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Lesbians Who Write. Follow us on Twitter at Les Who Write or show us some love on our website by leaving us a comment or buying us a coffee. And sign up to our newsletter while you're there to never miss another episode. Head over to lesbianswhowrite.com. Also, if you could take a moment to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, it would help more listeners to discover us. Thanks so much and see you next time. Oh,